Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, for your mercy that is new for us every morning. We thank you for your word that you have spoken so that we might know you. And Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now and open your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today we begin with another rock history lesson uh, because I just really love rock and roll, so you get to indulge me for a minute. Uh, The year was 1969, and rock and roll was going through a transition. There was a divide happening. Woodstock had just happened that summer. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Woodstock was a big concert. And uh, (laughs) within the next year, so within the next year, uh, the world would say goodbye to multiple legends from the 60s. The Beatles would break up, Jimi Hendrix would die, Janis Joplin would die, and Jim Morrison of The Doors would die. All three of them were about 27 years old. They all died within a year of each other, all related to drug use. And there was this passing of the baton from what was rock and roll to what was coming in the 70s. And, uh, you know, the harder, edgier side of things that Jimi Hendrix inspired, you know, kind of went on with bands like Led Zeppelin and ACDC. We've got an Australian here today, and ACDC is an Australian band. Um, And then Black Sabbath, things like this, you know, music you should never listen to. Um, But there was also the softer side of things, right, in the 70s. Disco was coming, you know. And why did God limit it only to 10 years? I don't know, but... Bands like the Bee Gees were on the rise, and uh, so there were these two kinds of ways to go. It's like the hard, hard rock, and then the softer side of things. And then there were some that wanted to be kind of a bridge, okay? A more disco-friendly kind of rock. And uh, the perfect representative of this in 1969 was the band Chicago. Uh, if you know Chicago, right? Uh, they released a song, one of their mi- first major hits in 1969. And it was this changing of the guard uh, to the 70s. And it's titled Beginnings. And you know how it goes by its simple refrain, and it's just the O's. I'm going to try to do it for you. Oh, you know that song? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's, that's the song. You don't know any of the words, but that's what you do remember. Anyhow... The main refrain in the song is, it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. That's the only reason why I've gotten you here, all right? The whole reason. The whole reason for this whole rock lesson was to get to that line. Anyhow, it's only the beginning. And that's where we are in in Luke today. We are still doing uh, the beginnings as we are going to spend this whole year unpacking Luke's gospel so that we might see Jesus clearly in 2020. And it wasn't the only reason. I wanted to talk about transition. What we see happening here today is this transition. I talked about the transition in rock. And today we're going to see the transition between the Old and New Testaments happen. All of it hinges on this man, John the Baptist. He is the bridge between the two Testaments. He is our biblical Chicago. Okay? So just think about it that way. And uh, Luke wants us to hear... That what he's telling us, okay, what he's telling us about John the Baptist and about Jesus' life, what he's telling Theophilus and us is not just a story. It's not just uh, some kind of disembodied spiritual experience that he's calling us to 
which is kind of a Buddhist idea, you know, nirvana. We want to escape the physical and kind of be disembodied and, you know, reach enlightenment. That's not what he's doing. Luke grounds all of this in, in history first. That's what I spent that time reading all those wonderful names and peoples who were tetrarchs of this and that and the other. Luke wants us to hear that this is the beginning of something real and tangible, something physical, something historical. It actually happened in time and space. All of those rulers. He's telling Theophilus, this is when that guy was ruling and this guy was ruling and this guy was over here. He wants him to remember, oh, that wasn't that long ago. I remember those rulers. John the Baptist was a real guy who really said these things. And more importantly, that Jesus was a real person and came and did everything that Luke is about to tell us. So, what was John the Baptist about? If the transition from the old to the new hinges on him, what was he saying? What did he have to say? Well, he was about preparation. He was about preparation. Preparing everybody for the big change that is about to happen. This big transition. He wants everybody to be ready. And he says, prepare Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. That's what Luke reminds us. This is what John is doing. He, he cites Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And there's a twofold meaning to this verse for us. And the first one that I want to focus on is that John the Baptist's job was to come and to level the playing field for everybody. To level the playing field. He came preaching, as Luke tells us, uh, a repentance of sins, baptism for the repentance of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. And baptism, if you, uh, if you were Jewish at that time, baptism wasn't for you. Baptism was for Gentiles, for outsiders who wanted to become Jewish, who wanted to become part of Israel. If they wanted to join up, they had to go through a ritual of baptism to repent of their sins. So it was something that usually only outsiders had to do to convert to Judaism. But John is here proclaiming it to the Jews. John is proclaiming it to those who already thought they were a part of God's family. And he's telling them and all of us that in order to truly enter the family of God, to be a part of his people, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is required of everyone. Jews needed to go through this just like Gentiles. We're all on the same playing field, the same level. This would have been very uh, confrontational for a Jew. When he calls them a brood of vipers, you can tell that John is not quite as light as Chicago. You know, he's a little bit more on the Led Zeppelin side of things, but still. Um, you know, all illustrations break down at some point. But... Um, John wants to confront us. He wants to confront them in their, uh, their complacency. He wants to, them to see that just because you are of uh, the descendants of Abraham by blood does not make you part of God's family. You must repent and be forgiven of your sins. And we hear that, Luke quoting Isaiah, saying that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. 
This is because God's plan was never just to keep it limited to Israel. Israel was just the precursor. God's plan was always much bigger. His plans are always bigger than ours. The vision that we come up with is always small compared to what he's going to do. He has a bigger vision. And his vision was to save the world. That's what Jesus was coming to do. Isaiah says it later in his, uh, his book, in Isaiah 49. He says, It's too late a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That's God's vision. And he tells us what he's doing. John the Baptist is going to be lifting up the valleys, bringing the mountains low, all this explicit imagery of everything being leveled, putting us all on the same level. No more hierarchy, tearing down the divisions between us, right? Preparing the way of the Lord so that we all see our shared common need before a holy and righteous God. This is the great and noble role of the law in God's word. John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets. That's how the the New Testament begins, is with one more Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, telling us that we need repentance. That we've got to recognize the real problem first before we can see the answer. And humans have an impossible time with us. We really don't do this well at all. We work so hard to deny our need, to stay in denial. We have black belts in denial. All of you do. You know, you didn't, have any, you didn't even need any training in it, but you are all experts at denial. I am too. We want to prove that we're okay. We want everybody to see, you know, that we're doing okay, that we're somehow better off than those around us. But the truth is that we are all in the same desperate state. And that's that's, uh, John's job here, is to open up our eyes, to open up the eyes of the Israelites, to open up our eyes, uh, we Gentiles, most of us here, uh, that we are not okay, that we need salvation. And this is actually more like uh, a more contemporary band, Rage Against the Machine, which uh, is kind of more in the line of the very hard rock stuff. Again, another band you should never listen to, although I think they're amazing. Rage Against the Machine, where they are these modern-day prophets, where, you know, Zach De La Rocha, the lead singer, screams, Wake up! Wake up! That's the line. And he says, he's this voice of judgment coming. How long? Not long, because what you reap is what you sow. But unlike Rage Against the Machine, praise God, John the Baptist has a very positive message, all right? Rage Against the Machine is very down, but uh, John the Baptist has a positive message for us, and that's the second meaning of of our verse, prepare the way of the Lord. It's that John is preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It carries with it this amazing promise that everything is being removed that would get in the way of the Lord saving us. The imagery of a smooth and straight highway opened before the Lord is very promising. He is bringing salvation to us with nothing in the way. His purpose, uh, John's purpose for prophesying repentance to us is so that we might be forgiven in an uncomplicated way. 
That means from our end. An uncomplicated way for us, and praise God. There's no valleys for us to cross, no mountains for us to traverse. It's a big, flat highway that comes straight to your door, straight to my door. That's what John is telling us. God is coming down to us. What does this actually look like? As we've said, Luke is quoting Isaiah 40, which was originally a prophecy for uh, the exiles in Babylon. That's when Isaiah, that's who Isaiah was mainly directed to. It was a message of hope from God that he was going to bring them back to the promised land. He was going to bring back his people who were exiled off in a foreign land, divided from each other, divided from their promise, the promise from God. And so Isaiah had a temporal uh, quality to it that was applying to the immediate context. But as we see today in Luke, what he was proclaiming was going to be fulfilled hundreds of years later when Jesus himself would come and he would bring us back from exile from our relationship with God. That we have been in a spiritual exile because of our sin. Remember, Jew and Gentile alike need this baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. All humanity is in the same boat, separated from their creator, exiled from their creator because of their sins, because of our sin, because of our decision to want to be God ourselves, to say, God, we don't need you. And we put ourselves in exile. And Luke wants us to hear that that's what Jesus came to reverse, to bring us back into relationship with our God. And we see the picture of salvation uh, in Isaiah 40. We didn't read it, but I'm going to read it for you. It's the first couple verses right before what Luke quotes for us. It's in our Old Testament passage. We actually did read it in the Old Testament passage. He says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Isaiah is saying this to a people who have been cut off, forgotten, lost, right? Their identity was shattered because they they knew who they were in relation to God's promises to them, in relation to the land, and they were in a foreign land. They felt like God had left them. I wonder if you can relate to any of that. What am I doing with my life? Have you ever asked that question? You know, what, what does any of this matter I feel so lonely. I feel so lost. I'm insecure. I'm unsure about what's coming. I'm I'm a failure, maybe. You've said that to yourself. Or I'm never going to figure this out. Can you hear God's words coming through Isaiah to you? Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to my children. Your warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. I give you from my hand double for all of your sins. What an incredible statement. When I first hear that, the getting double part for all my sins, I don't know about you, but my first thought is double the judgment because I'm in a constant state of fear most of the time because of my sin. Remember that black belt in denial. I got to preserve myself and I'm always worried that I'm going to get hit. But that's not what the Lord is saying. He's not saying double the punishment. 
He's actually saying, I give you double the blessing for your sins. I don't judge you or condemn you because of your sins. I love you. That's what the first two words are. Comfort, comfort. He says it twice. He wants you to hear that he is coming to give you grace, to give you forgiveness. And it's not just forgiveness, as if that weren't enough. It's actually adoption into his family. That's what John is telling everybody. If you want to be a part of the family of God, you must repent and be forgiven. And God will do this work where he comforts you and brings you home to himself. Comfort, comfort my children. Blessing from the Lord's hand. This is the transition that we're watching happen today when we're still thinking of beginnings. This is the change that John the Baptist ushers in for us. That salvation is given to us in Jesus Christ. Salvation for all flesh to see. Jesus came to suffer the judgment for us. That's why we don't get double the judgment. We get comfort, comfort, because Jesus came to stand in our place, which we will hear more about next week. He came to be born as a human being, to take our sin upon himself, to suffer our punishment on the cross so that we might be set free. To take our sins so that we might become righteous. He's leveled the playing field. Revealed that we're all in the same boat. We're all broken beyond self-repair. And that's very good news. We're all in need of the same repentance. And what we hear today is that the way has, made, the way has been made straight for our salvation. There is a highway, a highway in the desert of our lives, all right? In those places of unknown, the places of fear, the places of shame, that God has made a highway straight to your door so that you might be set free because of Jesus Christ. Nothing will stop him from coming and giving you double for all of your sins, double blessing, forgiveness, and acceptance. That's the gift of God for us. This is the new beginning that we are all so desperate for, to experience the fullness of this salvation, to see the world made right, justice, peace, freedom, and joy. No more war, no more pain, no more suffering. And we know this salvation is already won for us because of the change that John the Baptist pointed to, because of the New Testament. Jesus Christ himself. His death and resurrection has made the way straight for us to be saved. This is good news. This is what we're going to hear all year long. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the promise of comfort, comfort. We thank you that you come and you break the denial so that we might actually see you as our Savior. We thank you, Lord, that you have Uh, made a straight way for us to be saved by you. Lord, we ask that you would keep this firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds today. We pray that you would use us as we go out this week to be messengers of this good news to this hurting world. And we ask, Lord, uh, that you would always keep those words in our hearts and our minds, comfort, comfort for my children, that we are free in you. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.